0: What's up everyone? I'm your host Tiffany Hoyd, and as always you're listening to Hawks Havens Riled Up. We're riled up to bring you the hottest Washington football topics with a twist and here with me as always I have my co-host Alana Bearfield. What's up Alana? Hey Tip, you know I,
1: I've been better honestly. I mean look at last week's performance I and mean, lack of performance We went from almost hoisting the trophy to now this
0: right and the team finished 15 30 last week against the Cardinals Haskins only threw for um he threw for 33 but he only completed 19 passes so there wasn't a lot of action for Terry McLaurin or Steve Sims Jr. we still got an interception and four sacks defensively but offensively we weren't able to really produce
1: no doubt about it, Tiff. We saw a lot of errors throughout the entire game, but we still commend Arizona on being the defense that they are. I mean, the lineups has been leading the league in sacks. They came into the game averaging 5.5 sacks and were held to four. And this was a game we saw being very interesting, especially with the addition of DeAndre Hopkins. And we see Kyler Murray connected with him earlier in the game and ended up running in some scores himself.
0: For sure. Kyler Murray, he shined. Uh, like you said, those two touchdown scores, That like he had a great game. But I, I think that... Offensively, for us, we just really had an inability to move the ball up the field, and at this point, it really showed up. It showed up a bit in week one, but we were able to come back in that second half. Uh, I'm sure Rivera and Scott Turner are addressing this. We are very short-handed at running back through the Darius Guy situation, and of course, the Bryce Love uh, injury coming back from that. So, offensively, we just have like a lot of gaps to fill.
1: There's gaps to fill. Exactly, Tiff. You know, there's going to be conversations about the performance that has happened uh, on Sunday, but there's definitely plus sides to what the team learned about themselves in that game. And hopefully adjusting what they can do by being more accurate and having that rhythm within the players. And we have a very special person here today to talk about the game, this upcoming game, on Sunday. And I'm so excited to talk with her. Uh, So, Tiffany, please tell everyone who we are talking to today.
0: Yes, yes, we have Rhiannon Walker. She is the Washington football team reporter for The Athletic, a woman in sports that is tremendously shattering the glass ceilings and giving us the news we all want to know. And that's what's going on with our team and how can they be better. So welcome to the show, Rhiannon. Thank you.
2: Oh, thank you, me. Thank you, Alana, for having me. I appreciate you all.
1: No, we're definitely excited to dive into this conversation. Um, you know, a lot has been happening with the Washington football team. We've just seeing what has been going on, transpiring. We won the first game, lost the second game, and we're back at it on Sunday. But before we get into any of that... Uh, Can you tell our listeners and our viewers right now just a little bit about what you do with The Athletic?
2: Sure. So I work for The Athletic. I work for The Athletic D.C. Bureau. I cover the Washington football team as a staff reporter. A lot of the work that I focus on primarily is feature writing, which, as you all might imagine, in COVID, a little bit more challenging. But, you know, it's never something I uh, shy away from. But Game Stories day-to-day set pieces and things of that nature but my favorite kind of stories to tell are the ones where I get to get a little bit more in people's head figure out more about them get to present that to a wider audience that's my favorite kind of story so I'm primarily feature writer but I do all the other work that comes with being a reporter covering a team right
1: absolutely love it
0: you brought up your features what's your um your favorite one that you have done or are doing right now they're like
2: kids to me, to be honest with you. It's hard <laughs> to pick. I mean, I never thought I would be the person. I feel like I was always going to be the person that I could tell you, like, you know, they're my favorite. not going to lie to you. Like, nah, right. it's like they're their sibling. Uh. It's kind of drives me crazy. But I guess maybe, maybe the one I did on Chase Young, I think during the draft part where he, um, I focused on his two years at St. Vincent Pilate. Everyone knows he played at DeMatha Catholic High School, right. which is a big powerhouse football Um, school in the DMV area nationally as well too but not so many people seem to know that he had played at St. Vincent Pilate, and he was on the team that helped them had their first winning season I think since like the 1990s or so or something along those lines they won a championship his sophomore year they didn't know that he had played tight end he played a little wide receiver he tried to be a linebacker (laughs) before they decided we're gonna put your hand in the dirt I think that's that's what we're gonna do here and just the stories from his coaches that was the first not the first time but it was one of those stories where I needed to talk to like six people and I got all six people to talk to me within a week and you all know that that never happens, yeah. ever yeah. um weirdly enough I was so excited about that story that I you know in the middle of COVID I feel like we get really worried we feel like chest pain and stuff like that I was so excited mm-hmm. about that story I was so hyped up about doing it justice and doing it the right way that I was giving myself chest pains and anxiety. It was very weird. Like Alana, you can probably tell people I get real serious about my stuff. And so for me, it was kind of like, I don't want anybody else to come up behind me, trying to do this story better than me. I have to do this story as well as I possibly can. And knowing how much of a, physical, personal, mental, emotional toll that one took on me, and then to put it together and the fact that he retweeted it. Um, his uncle actually coached in my high school and I do know him very well. He's a really cool guy. He really liked the story, so for me, in that sense, it's like, okay, the subject of the story really liked the story. People learned something. Matter of fact, it's cited on the Wikipedia page about him, too. Yeah, We love to see that. Um, that one was my favorite. That was my favorite and a very, very close second is the one on Jennifer King that I did. Jason Wright, I just did the one on Jason Wright too. Yeah. They're both
0: Your babies. They're like
2: two or three. (laughs) Yeah, it's hard, but for different reasons. I mean, breaking that reporting on the fact that a black woman the first full time black female coach in the NFL was a big deal and the fact that a black woman broke the news I think it's an even bigger deal and I am very proud of the fact that I did that that means a great deal to me and then getting to know her over the course of those two months to work with her to do that story was very special for me and now obviously you guys know that Jennifer King is going to be going up against one of her friends uh, Miss Callie who works for the Cleveland Browns and there's going to be a female referee as well too that's the first time in NFL history that that's happened so I guess I should repost that story sometime this you weekend should. since that kind of makes a lot of sense. I know it just, it just seems like good timing. Right. <laughs> and then with Jason, Wright, That one is kind of like, I'll be frank with you. There's some things that when you're black, like there's an advantage to, to that, that's inherent knowledge. So I noticed that one of my colleagues had talked to his line brother, Michael Blake. And so I got real nervous, like, Okay, shoot, did he cover this base? But he didn't talk about the fraternity stuff at all. Like Michael Blake is a, obviously he's a major player in the democratic national committee. He's vice chair, but, um, I knew how important Alpha Phi Alpha is. I know kind of what somebody who's in that fraternity, what they represent, what they're about, because I have family that's within the fraternity. So I kind of had ideas like, okay, so he's somebody who's very studious. He's someone who's very, uh, who's who's big into being a trailblazer. You all obviously know they're the first black Greek letter uh, intercollegiate fraternity or sorority. So I was kind of like, I have a different basis to work from. So that's what I mean to say is like, I guess sometimes when people talk about diversity, they think of it as just like knocking off certain things, but it's like that story wouldn't have been that story. If I didn't already know that stuff, and I knew that stuff because of my blackness, so I think that that one is also special to me for that reason. So you guys got three features that are really up there for me.
1: They all oh, sound cool. absolutely amazing. Um, and please <laughs> all of them, because I know a lot of people want to <laughs> content. But you know, you mentioned something really important that you have an advantage because you are a black, but also a woman um, in this male-dominated industry, and you know, just. A couple of days ago, we heard the news about Breonna Taylor, and a lot of people were struck by it, Um, went on social media, started trending, people were upset, mad, um, didn't really know what to do with themselves because we thought we had hope that something, that justice was going to occur, and it didn't happen. What was the reactions from the players? Because, you know, you go to practice every single day, what was the reactions from the players from what was the, the mood and the
2: environment and everything else? I think one of the things is there was a disappointment. Um, they were in the middle or they were finishing with practice the time the indictment came down. So they would have been in the locker room. And obviously that's one of the challenges with COVID is that if it was a normal season, we would have been in the locker room. The TV, they have TVs inside of their locker room. They would have seen it. You would have seen in real time what the reaction is, but we only really caught them in the aftermath. Um, Dwayne Haskins, who's obviously the starting quarterback for the team, talked about how disappointed he was in this whole situation. The fact that he's sick—I mean, he went to his first first protest this year when they had it in D.C. in early, or excuse me, in late May after what happened with George, George Floyd, excuse me. So it was this sense of like, "Are y'all for real?" Like the only thing that got punished was for shooting into the neighbor's house, not Breonna Taylor, who didn't fire a shot. Not Breonna Taylor, who has been used across social media. She's been made a meme of. People made profits off of her death. Not the person that was sleeping in their bed, did not fire a shot. She didn't get justice. And that was heavy on a lot of players mind. You see them on social media talking about it. And I really do wish we could have had the locker room to see, like to really, really see like that immediate reaction. Because obviously we have time to sit and think and like put out a very um, what's the word I want? Thought out message. It's different than that raw emotion, right? Like we had raw emotions when we saw it. And so just I you mean, you could listen to Dwayne talking about it. And he gave a really detailed answer about how he felt about it. And the fact that he wants to be there in Louisville right now, his job the thing that he has to do right now is his job. And in a way that sucks that he can't take time away from it, especially with COVID, what would have to happen if he went to the protest and he'd have to quarantine the, the risks are so high and at stake and it's not for a lack of want to do it. It's not for a lack of wanting to lend their voices or their time or their energy, whatever to the case or to the cause It's that I signed this contract to do this thing. And right now I have to do this thing, but please understand that if I could, I would be there doing this other thing to help bring a spotlight to this because I understand that my voice is powerful. I think that's what a lot of athletes came away with this summer is how powerful their voice are. They have the power to stop an entire slate of playoff games in the NBA. They can threaten to not play at all if they really want to. WNBA players did the same thing. Major League Baseball, NFL, you saw how that all played out. Washington Mm -hmm. canceled a practice after Jacob Blake was shot in Kenosha, Wisconsin. So that was a lot of the responses. It's like, "This, this country does not love us. It does not. And the fact that we don't rage against it, burn it all to the ground, is impressive I have to say um I think they want to see a different result but there was none of that and that was kind of people being honest it's like did they expect anything really to come out of this no but did they hope for something different yeah and that was what the disappointment was from
0: right right uh D.L. Hughley, right after it broke he um he did a video for his podcast and he was basically just saying you know it's It's really terrible, and then like people like to throw at you, well, what about black crime? And what they don't think about in that is black criminals, black people who kill other black people, don't have a system in place to protect them from the crimes they commit. They are held accountable for their crime. And it's it's disheartening that there's a group of people that seem to go unaccounted for. They can commit crimes against humanity and walk freely. Go to the beach the next day. Take pictures and post them to their girlfriend's Instagram. They can do that after they commit murder. And, you know, it's just, it's time and time again. It is, uh, I think they looked, um, the news for Emmett Till's acquittal came very close to Breonna Taylor's. And it's 65 just 65
2: like, oh. years to the day, exactly, actually.
0: There it goes. So, you know, you can't tell me that's a coincidence. Uh, oh, it's just coincidental. No. Um, black people are, are, are learning... Uh, where they stand in American history, because um, no longer are we able to hide the fact that black people had a lot to do with the construction of this country. And um, we we need our, we need our just due. We had, we had most to do with the construction of this country.
2: We had the majority to do with the construction of this country. I'm saying this not as an opinion, this is a statement of fact and anybody, this is my minor, this is history. I mean, in African-American history at that, if the millions of slaves weren't transported across the Middle Passage and through the African diaspora, the United States would not be what it is. When people talk about the Civil War and they talk about what well, they're fighting for, a lifestyle, what lifestyle are y'all fighting for? Talking about agriculture. Well, who's doing agriculture? Who's, who's sowing the crops? Who's putting them down? Who's picking them up? Who's delivering them? Your entire economy is based on the back of a group of people not being paid. And it's based on fear, murder, rape, ravaging people that's what the economy was based on so i mean it's it's funny when people they don't they don't get it it's because they don't want to get it I, I don't even get into arguments with people about that because i'm not going to waste my intelligence on you trying to have this conversation with you and not only that you can sit there and look at the vice president of the confederacy what he said what it was about it was about slavery that's the one of one of the things i love about history is that a lot of the things are, are written down they're there for you to see they don't have to be interpreted the facts are already there. Now, of course, you have to wonder who writes certain history to understand the perspective that they're writing from. That you do have to be aware of, but his statement was, we are fighting for our rights to own slaves. That's the vice president of the Confederacy. What more do you need? Mm-hmm. I mean, y'all can be different. And then you can look at the amendments of several of the states who were in the Confederacy as well, too, and a lot of it was about slavery. So you want to talk about agriculture and a way of life and all these other things like that. Well, now, let's not gaslight people, you know, if we're going to, we don't be intellectually dishonest. And even when we talk about black on black crime, I believe it was Huffington Post Black Voices. I believe they said that black on black crime accounts for 1% of the crime that's committed in the black community. That's 13% of the, so 13% of the United States population, 1% of that group is committing black on black crime within that is an even smaller group on violent crime. And to your point, those people are being prosecuted. Those people are being put into jail. We're not talking about that. And quite frankly, crimes are often committed by people that know each other. So if I look at white white on white crime, Latino on Latino crime Latino like Latinix on Latinx crime or Asian on Asian crime, the crime is gonna be higher within those respective communities because people commit crimes in the places typically where they where they are around.
1: Right. That's
2: just how that works. And so this system is not set up or built to be held accountable for what it does to black people it had never it has never been set up that way even if you look at the way the police were put up together it's like you look at slave catchers and the history of that as well too we could have a much longer more detailed conversation but the fact that matters that things will not change things will not get better until people can accept that for instance the statement you said that black people built this country You remember when michelle obama said that we live in a house that black people built and the up in arms that happened there yeah Y'all don't right. like the reality of it, but that's exactly what it was. Fact. Fact. They did build the White House, and then you want to talk about well, they were treated nicely. They were still slaves. What does that have to do with anything? And mm. we don't definitively know that either. To be frank with you, right? Or the people want people want black people to stand for the national anthem. I'm from the state of Maryland. Francis Scott Key wrote the national anthem. He's from the state of Maryland. Should be a point of pride. It is not. He was a slaveholder. He was he. If you look at that entire third verse, it talks about killing black people. And you want black people to stand for the national anthem? Right. You might want to know your history there. But, again, until people are ready to confront those things, and, again, it's not coming from an emotional place. I'm not saying this with any trepidation or anger. It is It is what it is. If you read a book, you know this stuff. And you maybe can accept this stuff if you don't have a biased opinion on the matter. But people do, and, therefore, it progresses slow. Like, you know, <laughs> Emmett Till's murderers got off 65 days before Breonna Taylor's did. Right. History has a way of repeating itself when you don't learn the lessons from it. And that's really what happened here.
0: I can't put it better.
1: Thank you, you for
0: spitting the, the truth and the facts. So yeah. Go ahead, Alana. Uh-huh.
1: Um, there's definitely a lot of weight on us just as, you know, black people in America today. And a lot of weight that is happening to these athletes right now. Um, because they're trying to use their platform, as we see putting out different photos, videos, trying to speak truth, trying to sign the sign petitions, trying to make awareness of to vote for the election that is happening on November 3rd. But what have you been seeing when it comes to kneeling for the national anthem? How has the management been handling that with the players?
2: Well, Ron Rivera wasn't going to get in the way of his players doing whatever they decided to do. And he left it up to the team captains. He had a conversation with the five of them. And then the five of them were going to have a conversation with the team. Whatever the team decided was, was going to happen. First game, they linked arms with the Philadelphia Eagles team. And four players, won the national, this was during the playing of Lift Every Voice and Sing, which you all know is the Black National Anthem. Go into the locker room, they come back out. The Eagles do not come out for the National Anthem. But Washington does. They have four players, including Dwayne Haskins and Lyndon Collins. Excuse me who raise a fist during the playing of the song. They stood, but they raised their fist. And then my colleague, Doug Holler, who covers the Arizona Cardinals for us, he told me that Landon Collins and Dwayne Haskins did it again during the national anthem. So Adrian Peterson said if he had been with a team that he was planning to kneel during the National Anthem. It was not a question in his mind. He's no longer with the team. He's with the Detroit Lions, obviously. But Washington does not have any players at this moment in time who are taking a knee, but they do have, at least at this time, two minimum who were raising their fist during the playing of the National Anthem.
0: Right. And there's just so much. I, I liken this, in our previous episode, I liken the season to good times um, because it's uh, to the, the team to good times mm-hmm. because it's like, you can never win. And, um, meaning, meaning, um, when things look up, something comes and it's a tragedy. And, uh, yeah. this off season, a lot happened and it's always like, okay, we had that first game. Oh, they were able to break past everything and at least create something on the field. And then you have a week like, um, last Sunday, like you're with them every day. You've been a part of this. You've seen the things that's happened at the front office. Um, Dan Snyder, like, just speak to how his, how he operates, how his how his operation of the team affects the foot, the game itself with this program.
2: I think that's a little bit tough for me to answer because it's mostly because I've never actually had a conversation with Dan Snyder. Right. I, you know, and I don't want to speak to, I want to say rumors or like how other people have interacted with him because that I face a lot of things on how I interact with people. Now, if enough people tell me the same thing, then I'm going to take their word for it. I, I definitely have to agree there. It's tough. Like for instance, the name change thing, the accusations of sexual assault, all the, the t- situation with the minority owners trying to sell their stake. When it comes to the actual games, of course the players are going to go out there. They're not thinking about that on Sunday. I mean, they don't get paid enough to think about that kind of stuff and it's not their primary concern. Right now they're sitting there thinking about the fact that they were a three and thirteen team last year and they just they're right now they're coming off of a loss by double digits. But they had to get we, we had to talk to them a lot about that. That's just, that's our job. We had to talk to them a lot about that. And there's nothing that football players want to talk about generally speaking, more than anything else besides the game itself. They don't want to talk about stuff that has nothing to do with them. They didn't have anything to do with the people that were put in this building that were harassing women. They didn't have anything to do with the name of the team either for that matter. I mean, they've been asked a lot of questions. I mean, Landon Collins is a lifelong fan of the team. So we asked him a lot of questions about it. Um, we try to get their thoughts about the situation. And it's just one more thing that's non-football that they have to have a conversation with. And of course these are all serious things and they'll answer them as much as they possibly can. But it's just one of those things where it's like, they just want to focus on football in the middle of COVID COVID and whether football was going to happen or not. You know what? A lot of them like just talking to Ron versus like football gives them a sense of normalcy. And they had that in the, not only they're, they're going to work just like we're going to work after seeing people that look just like them getting shot in the back or having their necks kneeled on or hearing about a woman who's asleep in her bed at three o'clock in the morning, getting shot, killed dead. She shot, I think she was shot, what, eight times, or something along those lines. They have to go to work too. I mean, that's, their mom or their sister or somebody in their family, a friend, anybody that looks looks just like them, and then under a different set of circumstances. Dwayne Haskins even talked about how it's still kind of scares him when he gets pulled over. This is a guy riding around in the Bentley. He's very recognizable, and he stills like you know hands on the wheel type of a situation. Still not sure of how things will play out. You know, I mean, you guys understand that feeling of not. It's frightening when you don't know how something's going to play out. And we're asking guys to talk about those emotions and those feelings. In the midst of everything else, and that's hard, and it's draining. And so they use football as a way to to not have to think about that for just a little bit of time. To not have the the reality is like, um, you know, the world right now is so screwed up. There's so much going wrong right now. When they're out there, they give them three, four hours where they can just have this one thing, where they don't, they they can't possibly be aware of the news and what's happening in the world. They're just out there trying to play. You know, if they lose. Okay. They win. Awesome. But then once that's all said and done, they come back to the reality situation. Still got to deal with COVID, still got to deal with systemic racism, still got to deal with the conversation around the anthem. You know, there's just there's so much. I mean, they're they're human beings just like the rest of us. If, you know, if we have a reprieve from talking about being aware of something for a little bit, just in our own oasis, we tend to stay there for a bit, don't we? Right? Mm-hmm. Same thing with them. So I would say it's probably not affecting them as much as people might think. I think that a lot of them, when they're on the field, it's the one time that they can kind of let loose and not be burdened by everything else that's happening in the world because, what, if there's 24 hours in a day, they spend four hours in the field, you have the other 20 hours of the day, well, outside of their sleeping schedule, I suppose, where they have to be cognizant of those things, have to be mindful of how much they're consuming and everything else like that.
1: sure. It's definitely, it's a lot, and it's a lot to handle, it's a lot to unpack, um, and all they can do is to really focus on football, like you said, it's kind of like their escape. But when it comes down to the practices, you know, we, we won the first game, lost the second, um, what have you been seeing in, in the practices that are not translating over when it's game time?
2: You know, I don't know, like, the thing is, is that from this year to last year, seeing how they've practiced under Ron versus Jay, there's just, it's more, it's weird. It's more up tempo. There is a lot of dialogue between the coaches and the assistant coaches and things of that nature. They are very on them. So it is really weird how it's not translating to a certain extent. I I can't put my finger on it. I mean, I even asked Ron, very matter of factly, how do you get second half Dwayne Haskins to show up in the first half and then play the entire game like that? You know, he's telling me that he just had a conversation with Scott Turner, That day, basically saying, we need to get him more comfortable. We need maybe we need to do a little more up tempo to start the game or something along those lines to get him revved up. There's just something about that slow game that that's not working, and we're not. I know Dwayne says that he can do anything, he can play anything, he can do whatever the coaches say. Fair enough, but through two games right now, you've pretty much done really well in the up-tempo stuff, but when they slow it down, that's where the issues are really resting. And so I don't know if it's an issue of the practice so much. I really – I can't – or like why the defense is giving up opening drive touchdowns. I can't tell you why they're not (laughs) doing better at uh, resisting those efforts at this point because from what we're seeing at practice, it's not like they're just walking through it. They're not lackadaisical. They're not um, giving half an effort. That's not the case. Uh, there are certain things that they seem to – like, for instance, the touchdown that DeAndre Hopkins had. It, it, you know, Ron says that was miscommunication. Jack Del Rio says it was not relying on the fundamentals. So even there is a little bit of a disconnect. Um, I can't tell you what's mm-hmm. – like, again, I mean, Ron Rivera, Jack Del Rio do not run a loose ship. I'll tell you that much. It's not like they're just – They have fun in practice, but they're serious. And so I I just cannot tell you what the issue is. I really can't because they play like a team that's coached by those two guys in the second half a lot of the time. But in the first half, I can't tell you who that team is. And even, look, even Ron said that after the first game, he's like, I don't know who that first team was in the first half. So that should tell you everything you need to know. I don't know, and he doesn't know, so we do not know (laughs) who this first half team is. But they are – desperate to get started early in the first half because it is unsustainable to play with your back, literally play with your back against the wall over the course of 30 minutes. It's just feasibly not possible. You can't keep your body up like that and constantly have that level of adrenaline. It's so much easier to just do the things that you need to do, score a few points here and there or throughout the game, as opposed to feeling like, okay, now we need to start really playing because otherwise we're really going to get blown out of here. Nah, right. That's just, right. I can't tell you. I really can't.
0: Yeah, it just sounds like it's a coming coming from last season to the new season. It's just like a it's a mental thing, like you were saying. It's, it's What's that team look like? That team looks like the team that was 3-13. and 13. And then they come out like Ron Rivera and Jack Del Rio coach them. So, uh, again, I think that, you know, we are seeing Haskins maturity um, as he grows as a quarterback. Uh, fans were talking on Facebook. They were saying, you know, when like they want to give up on him as a lot of fans. And I, I want you to talk about that because it's it's just the fact of the matter of like this is this is the nature of the game when it comes to being an analyst and when it comes to be a fan like when when's our next guy up because this guy you know they they want things quick and fast but the thing with a developmental quarterback like Haskins um, like how do you see him maturing can you speak to that can you like kind of um, either assure the fans or tell them just tell them what you think.
2: Well, right now you have a quarterback that only has one turnover to his name. He has no interceptions at this moment in time. He does have only one touchdown throw, though, in the midst of all of this. But the thing is, is that I just got asked this question today at practice, as a matter of fact. You know, if Washington somehow way ends up with the number one or two pick, do they take a quarterback? You know, do they get rid of Dwayne at that point? And I said, hmm, if he's – are, it's like this prompt is basically if he's playing poorly, right? It's not if mm-hmm. he's doing what he needs to be doing, but the other elements around him are lagging. It's only if he is playing poorly. Right. And I make that distinction because it's one thing if Dwayne Haskins is throwing the ball to the other team all all willy-nilly, right? That's one thing. It's one thing if he is making you know bad decision after bad decision, putting mm-hmm. the team in really difficult spots. And one could argue the fact that they have seven they've given up seven sacks right now, which is the second worst in the league, or the fact that he had that fumble in the red zone last week, you know, that would certainly disqualify him. Look man, I'll say this. He is still growing, mm-hmm. as are a lot of these players with a very short offseason. This this season has such an asterisk in my mind that is beyond me. And I'm also maybe I'm all, maybe a little bit more of a patient person, but I'm sitting here looking at what's around him. He doesn't have the best offensive line Known to man, we can be honest about that, right? right? I mean, there's and now there's another injury with Brandon Sheriff. Morgan Moses has a hip injury and he's questionable. You have a new guy in West Martin, who's only a second-year pro. You have Jeron Christian, who up to this point, quite frankly, has not shown you a whole bunch. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm sitting there like, okay, so the offensive line. I'm looking at the protection a little bit to start, and I'm sure you guys saw the Eagles game. They didn't look good in the first half, protection-wise. Mm-hmm. They weren't giving them any running lanes. He didn't have a whole bunch of time to sit back and throw, albeit he didn't take too many sacks in that game, but still, or in the first half of that game, excuse me. Mm-hmm. But still, I'm just thinking to myself, okay, the offensive line could be better. You know, I wonder what it would look like if Trent Williams was still with the team type of situation. And really all you had to worry about was mm-hmm. who do we bring in as a left guard type situation? Like, you know, that would be very different, right? Mm-hmm. But there's that. There's the wide receiving cores. Like, yes, you have Terry McLaurin. Steven Simpson is a really good slot receiver. And also the tight ends as well, too. I mean, Logan Thomas is not a known commodity. Neither is Marcus Powell. Jeremy Sprinkle had his chance last year to step up because Vernon Davis and Jordan Reed were injured. And he did not do a whole bunch with that opportunity. So I sit there and say, now it'd be, to me it'd be very different if this team had drafted heavy on the offensive side of the ball, but they haven't, they have four straight drafts where they've gone to the defensive side. Not only that, they've got four straight defensive linemen, which is the first time in NFL history that that's happened in the modern draft. Um, the person who might ultimately be their starting left tackle is currently dealing with the thigh injury after dealing with the calf injury and Zeke Charles out of LSU. I don't think it's – man, it's like he's had such a tough set of circumstances. And, I mean, maybe they'll look at a guy like a Gardner Minshew or whatever the case may be, just, like, right. gunslinging it all around. It's like, that's a different offense, man. And that's a different offense. And also he had a coaching staff last year that didn't really believe in him. And he's talked about the difference that has made to him as well too, is that Ron Rivera's been tough on him. Scott Turner has been tough on him, who's the offensive coordinator. But they – believe in him they believe that he is capable of leading this team to success and i wonder okay if he's given a proper offensive line or this offensive line turns out better than that even i'm possibly expecting the wide receiver core somehow some way and i'm putting including, including tight ends and all that somehow some way steps up a little bit and he does start to perform well then what yeah. if he can perform well in this set of circumstances then look, what would happen if, you know, you have a guy like they for instance, they went after Amari Cooper, they didn't get him. But let's say they bring in a guy of that talent level. Let's say they have someone at tight end who, who brings that razzle-dazzle to the offense, whatever the case may be, is like a really, really known viable threat to the situation. Then what? Then what? I mean, Listen. so for people that are – people are so weird to me, and I'm sorry if this offends – actually, I'm not sorry. I don't know why I'm apologizing. I'm not sorry at all. oh. Um, <laughs> Some people are weird. and kind of goofy to me because back in the day, they used to let quarterbacks sit for years. I mean, Aaron Rodgers sat for four years behind Brett Favre. Mm -hmm. And now look at how he's turned out. He understands the system. He gets it. He's won a Super Bowl. He's a consistent pro bowler, all Mm -hmm. pro as well too. Those things happen when you are allowed to sit and learn things instead of being randomly tossed into the New York Giants game or randomly tossed into the Minnesota Vikings game or have a coaching staff that doesn't believe that you're really good. Those things are all very, very different. So I know that's not how things work now. Like for instance, Joe Burrow is starting and everything else like that. I get it. I do. I would simply say that I mean, well, (laughs) Joe Burrow also has AJ Green on his team too. So I mean that's a little different. He's kind of a good wide receiver.
1: Yeah.
2: But um I just don't I don't understand the need for panic. It's not like again, it's like it's not like He's just throwing the ball to the other team, type of a situation that has not been the case. And you know, you don't want to see him fumble the ball. He has, he does have two, two or three fumbles. He's lost one fumble, but I think he has two or three fumbles. So I mean,
0: yeah, I, 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 I don't get it. Everybody wants something quick. Everyone wants mm-hmm. a championship fast. They want to create a dream team. They want to, they want to bring basketball to football, and they want to. Uh, <laughs> I want my favorite players right here. Like I'm, I'm making a specialty team on Madden. Uh, and it doesn't happen like that. You're right. Like, Aaron Rodgers sat behind Brett Favre for a very long time. And now Aaron Rodgers is regarded as um, one of the best quarterbacks out there and in history, you know. So um, there, it takes time. I do I do agree.
2: It takes time for anybody. I mean, I think while I say people are weird and goofy about it, it's because it's not like any of us – Some maybe I shouldn't speak for everybody, but – A lot of people, it takes time and effort to get to a point where you're really, really good at something. Mm -hmm. I wasn't good at being a reporter covering NFL beat until about maybe midway through my second season, Mm -hmm. maybe. What I understand now that I wish I had understood then, I mean, is night and day. My growth is exponential. But to the same idea, it's just like if my bosses had looked at how I did after my first season covering the team, they would have replaced me. That's a statement of fact. I didn't perform up to my own expectation, let alone theirs, I think. They said they they know like it takes eighteen months. But they gave me the eighteen months to get there though. You see the difference? Mm-hmm. And that's what I think sometimes people forget. It's just like you act like you just went into your job and you were good at it. Like there weren't nuances or little things that you learned. Mm-hmm. Like you didn't have coworkers that tried to make your life a living hell and like made it difficult for you to prosper. Like, right. let's be real. That's what I'm saying and that's where I'm getting at is that it's even harder when you're at that level. And so much of what you do is contingent on the other people around you doing their job really, really well. That makes life very difficult. So if Dwayne is doing what he needs to be doing, but the other people around him aren't doing what he needs to be doing, and it's not like he's going to throw anybody under the bus, but I'm just being honest is that if those other facets aren't working well for him, then he is going to struggle or he might succeed despite those things, which would be very impressive. And that's what I'm saying, especially in this condensed off season, That would be even more impressive, quite frankly. But if he's still stumbling a little bit, it's like, okay, that's kind of the expectation, especially considering the fact that head coach Ron Rivera said, we don't think the offense is going to be where we really want it to be until next year. So people, this is the football guy, the guy who's been in football his whole life. He's won a Super Bowl. He's been to two more since then. He's telling you that your offense, which you guys don't even like, (laughs) isn't going to be ready until 2021. He said it. Maybe you want to listen to him. I don't know. I don't know. He's just coached the Super Bowl. He's like coached two Super Bowls, actually. Yeah. But, you know. He's just been what there. What does he know? What he does he know? Done he's done also a two time coach of the year. So, I mean, again, what does he know? What do any of us know? We know nothing. No, we're
1: in it. And to that point, like, literally, everybody around him um, plays a part, also. In a recent interview, quarterback Jason. He said, "In order to get Dwayne Haskins moving faster, is by having quick passes." He even went on and said, "Quote, you know, get some slants going, get some screens going, and with him having such young receiving corps, it's more than just him. The young receivers have got to get in touch with the football early so they can feel like they're part of the game as well." So going That's right it. to your point, um, and, and you know. It seems like he's in the hot seat that he's getting all of this criticism all this feedback and people say i want him out is that even fair to be he's doing that
2: after everything i just said no no, no it's That's not definitely. fair
1: and the thing is is like he
2: knows he's in a high pressure highly visible job where people are going to criticize him and one of the things for me i you're know called a homer a homer of this team i was like You don't even know me clearly if that's the case. But I'm just sitting here, like, realistically speaking, I just think that you have to be patient. You're learning your second offense in your second season in the league. When Dwayne Haskins was doing well last year, Kevin O'Connell, like, not only put his hands, he put a strength behold on that offense and said, all right, look, we've been run heavy this entire time. We're switching up to quick passes. That game against Philadelphia Eagles where I believe Dwayne had two touchdowns. Yes. One of those was a 75 yarder to Terry McLaurin. It was like a three-step drop in a quick slant and gone. And that you remember the in the game against Arizona yes. when McLaurin started to get really into it, a lot of quick passes, first of all putting the ball in his hands more. Um, but that's what they were doing and they were going up tempo. Haskins did a lot of that when he was at Ohio State. And one of the things Kevin O'Connell did last year as the offense coordinator, he's like, okay, what did he do really, really well when he was with the Buckeyes? And now let's bring that here if we can. Mm-hmm. And they did that, and he started to have success. He had two games within those final four that he played where he had over 121 quarterback rating.
0: Yeah, he was doing Because they well. started
2: – and that's another thing that this coaching staff has really tried to do is – How can we bring things to him that he's really good at? And that's something that Scott Turner has talked about a lot is that we want to play to our guys' strengths. And that's a big difference because in that run-heavy offense, Haskins was not having the same level of success. They went to the quick passing game, and he did. He goes up-tempo, he has success. When it's slowed down, he does not. So now we're starting to look at it and say, okay, so we we see this. Can they start instituting this earlier in the game? And, of course, you know, with up-tempo, you get tired more because there's no slacking at that point in time. But – they are asking. The coaches are asking themselves. This is something that they talked about a lot. It's like, are there things that we could be doing differently to help this team get kickstarted sooner? I don't think the criticism is particularly fair. I think if you look at the entire broad situation, and again, the coach is telling you it's going to take till next year. Um, then, <laughs> realistically, you say, okay, it's going to take till next year. They're going to do the best that they <laughs> they're going to do. They're going to do the best that they can do with what they have. Mm-hmm. They are. Mm -hmm. They're going to see what they have, what they don't have. And then from there, they're going to decide, okay, this is where we need to invest money so that we can be the team we think we can be because their defense wise, they're pretty set. I mean, a lot of those guys are first round picks. They're still under contract with the team. So they're not going anywhere. They're good there. Offensively, they could maybe finally start to look at some people in the draft earlier in the draft. One, number two, when they're in free agency, they could say, okay, this is a place that we really struggle. This place we need some serious depth. This is something that we want to look at here, whatever the case may be. They also have a lot of cap space too. So again, deep breaths. saw? Rub your ears mm-hmm. if you need to. Um, we just
0: one, one week ago.
2: <laughs> it's gonna be a long. It's gonna be a long season. But this team, they're gonna give this team every every player, not just Dwayne Haskins. They're gonna give every player an opportunity to show them who they really are. And you saw that in the first game against the Eagles. It looked a lot like the team last mm-hmm. year. It did, and I wrote about that. But then the team that is being coached by Ron Rivera, Jack Del Rio and Scott Turner started to show its face and they fought back. Even in the Cardinals game, they fought back to a certain extent and that's different. I mean, that's, that's one noticeable big change with this team is that they feel like they can be in the dogfight, And so just it's 14 more gays, people, you got football. Let's, let's be, let's be thankful. You know, not just for me who covers it, but like you all as fans, like you guys might not have gotten football. And I know a lot of y'all wanted to see the games, So just enjoy it for what it is worth. This is a trial year. They're going to get some things messed up. It's going to happen. Dwayne is going to make some mistakes. It's going to happen. But how does he respond to those mistakes? How does the team learn from what they do wrong? And that's what's going to happen. That's what you want to see in this third game here. And That's something that Ron DeBear talked about last week is I don't mind the losing. He doesn't like it, but I don't mind it because there are lessons to be learned. But if we don't learn those lessons, then it's a waste at that point.
0: Right, right, and I just want to get into this um, matchup on Sunday against the Browns. Right, uh, we saw we saw a very—I'm not going to say a similar setup because we had a, a younger quarterback in Kyler Murray, uh, Baker Mayfield, um, and we had wide receivers that are super talented. And DeAndre mm-hmm. Hopkins and Larry Fitzgerald, and now we're going against OBJ and the depth that they have over at the Browns. Um, mm. Defensively and offensively, how does this how does this team match up to the Browns in this coming week? Now, see, if someone wants a
2: prime example. Okay, this is just, I'm going to give this one quick thing to answer your other question previously. If Dwayne Haskins had an offense like the Browns had, and they weren't putting up points, then y'all could bring out the Pitchforks and then the <laughs> torches, or the whatever the case may be, y'all could do all that because there's just too much talent there. Much. There's way too much talent there. They have the running that the that two man running game. game they have the second best running game in the league, albeit they are the sixth fourth passing offense. Though that said, I don't know how that is. that's <laughs> when y'all could be upset about something. Mm-hmm. I could get that. That's why Browns fans are mad right after last year. That's why they're so big mad. But the matchup that really you need to watch is, how does this Washington defense handle this strong run game from the Browns? They haven't faced a team that has the running game that the Browns have. And they have two big backs that will wear you down. And Nick Chubb currently has the fourth most rushing yards in the league at 184. And then there's Kareem Hunt, who has 158. ain't that far behind. So that's a one-two punch that not too many people want to go up against. Again, they're, they're solid backs. And they are going, when they hit you, they're going to hurt. And they're fast when they get into open space as well, too. So it's, it's a challenge. And if They succeed running the ball. Then everything in the passing game opens up. Then you have to really start. You always have to worry about OBJ being OBJ, Jarvis Landry being out there. They have the two tight end set, which if you watch the Eagles game, one thing that Washington has not been good against in recent years is tight tight ends. And they face a lot of good tight ends in the NFC East. So (laughs) that's something to be very mindful of. It is. I mean, Austin Hooper is there. You have Harrison Bryant. It's simply something that they have to be privy to because all right the running game doesn't get started but do you now have to take away you have to take away obj i think that that's reasonable jarvis landry's another one what do you do about those tight ends though or the or the running backs coming out of the backfield too because they can catch the pass and they can do a lot of the same mm-hmm. things as well too those are the things that you have to worry about is that starting of the run game to lead to the play action stuff or How do the Browns manage some of the passing action stuff that they want to do if the running game does not get started, right? Um, Can they avoid giving up the big play? They gave up two big plays. Well, they gave up a couple big plays last year, but last last game. But the primary ones was that 54-yard Sandy Isabella and that 49-yarder to Christian Kirk. Not even to DeAndre Hopkins or to Larry Fitzgerald. The third and fourth guy on their wide receiving roster. That's a problem. So, if you're getting beat by those guys and not even the top two guys, you're going to have a bigger issue. Mm -hmm. Um, And then for Washington, what they're sitting there thinking is like, okay, no Kyler Murray this week. Got Lamar (laughs) Jackson coming up, but right now, they got Baker Mayfield. Baker Mayfield has only taken two sacks so far this season, which is the second fewest, tied for the second fewest in the league.
1: Can this defensive
2: line get home? Washington has 11 sacks this year, which is the most in the league. But Can you beat the offensive line, excuse me, that the Browns have to disrupt what they want to do in their passing game? Can you shut the the running game down and then can you get to Baker Mayfield and get him on the ground? San Francisco 49ers were able to do it last year. You know, I talked about this in the preview. And Nick Bosa did not forget about that flag pant that uh, Baker Mayfield did when he was at Ohio State. And Chase Young was on that team too. I mentioned that. I said, I don't know how long his memory is, but. uh, I have to imagine if he gets a sack, we could possibly see that. And in the state where it all occurred, seems kind of reasonable to me. And then offensively, the Browns give up 34 points a game. <laughs> like, so y'all better find some way to so do something here. I mean, and also, I think they have the sixth worth passing defense. They give up like 277 yards through the air, something along those lines. But the point being is like, look, y'all, if there was a team, to put up some serious points on, to start getting your aerial attack ready to go. Because I think what Grady Williams is not playing, if I remember correctly, and Kevin Johnson is possibly questionable. I can't remember exactly off the top of my head. But their secondary is looking pretty ravished right now. Just saying. I mean, Terry McLaurin should really have a field day. Steven Sims, he's questionable with a toe injury. But today, uh, this Sunday will be a good game to get some stuff kind of going. Logan Thomas. They, Mac Wilson, I believe is questionable or he may be out. I can't, I just don't remember right now off the top of my head. But um, yeah, this would be a good as time as any to kind of get that whole thing kickstart. And not only that, they don't have to worry about Olivier Vernon, defensive end for them. Adrian Claiborne is also out for this game as well, too. So that, that situation with the offensive line, probably nullified because both the offense and defensive line on the opposite sides, they're not completely healthy. So it's pretty much neutral. Day. So that's a lot of what I'm looking for is can they get the ball rolling early, basically. Can they stop this rushing game, and can they put up some points in the first quarter for the first time this season, or more than seven points in the first half, because that's all they have right now through the first two games.
0: Right. And uh, you, m- you m- mentioned the offensive.
1: particular thing that they need to focus on, what would that be in order for them to not fall behind early within the season?
2: Well, on the offensive or the defensive side? Oh. Dang it. Ah. Uh, On the offensive side, I think they need to get – I think the running game will be okay, but I think they really do need to find a way to get the ball to Terry McLaurin's hands. I really do believe that very genuinely, or to Logan Thomas as well, too. Uh, Dwayne Haskins had three misses to him last week, one of which was a touchdown, and he knows it was a touch thing. It wasn't that he didn't make the right decision or anything else like that. It's all about putting the right touch on the ball. And so – They want to get some big plays going as well, too. They don't have very many chunk plays, and again, I go back to the fact that the Browns have the sixth worth passing defense in the league. They give up 34 points a game. If there was a 30-piece game available for Washington, this this will be kind of one of it. And then on the defensive side, it really does start with the running game. They have not faced a team that has this running back group the way that the Browns do. And the fact that they have the second-best rushing offense in the league, I think it's going to make for a really interesting matchup. When people talk about Chase Young and what he does with the passing one of the things that he talked about I remember at the scouting combine is that he does really well in the run game he prides himself on getting in there and stopping those plays and if you watch the Eagles in particular, he knew how to he knew to disengage from a blocker because they were throwing a screen and get out there and manage that or like blowing up a running play and things that nature that those things that don't necessarily show up on the stat sheet but they're really important Ooh, in the game of football. Yeah. Those things he does as well, too. So you want to see how he performs in this set of circumstances, given the kind of running backs that they're going to have for the Browns.
0: For sure, for sure. And I just want to close out because I know you're a busy woman. you got to get to it. you got a big day ahead of you uh, on Sunday. <laughs> Girl, please. I wish I was busy. Go Busy where? I'm at home on a Friday night, not uh, doing
2: anything. It's raining outside. I'm not going anywhere.
1: So that, I'm thinking that's about it.
2: watching Netflix, to be honest with you.
1: Oh, Maybe you know. eating some ice cream. That sounds sad, there.
0: but it's actually not that
1: bad.
0: I don't think. It's a chill day. The pandemic has given me great chill days. Mm-hmm. Uh, helped me save a lot is. of money too. While we're at it, but you know, see here no there. I don't know about all that. I'm on Amazon every day. <laughs>
1: it's a
0: shame. I know I would be out a lot. I'll tell you, I would
2: be out in DC if it's not bad weather. I'll be out. I would have been at Ozio right now. If, you I'm know, in the, if the now. Rona wasn't taking all my stuff away. U Street, whatever. Yeah. I would be on U Street, too, for that matter. Although, yeah. you didn't like U Street when we went to U Street. You said people don't dance enough for you. Yeah, that's right. Oh, yeah. I was yes, to we,
0: remember. She, we remember. You
2: remember that? She was not impressed. She was like, people don't dance here. I was like, if we go to the right bars, they certainly will be dancing. I was like, but those bars you want to go to? I don't know.
0: So, uh-uh. Everything on U Next Street time. has closed, though. Cloak and Dagger, Marvin's, um, what is it, Brixton. They said El Ray's closing. I'm taking a trip out there just for El Ray. You should come down
2: to El Rey because I'm going to be hitting up El Rey a bunch before uh, Halloween kickstart. The fact that Halloween is on a Saturday this year it's and lit. we can't even go outside <laughs> to enjoy it, these, God darn them, we have lost the entire year. Summer, fall, winter, gone mm-hmm. because people didn't want to do what they needed to do to get us out of this daggone thing. But it's cool though. What I really can't accept is that they got El Rey closed, but Alero still standing. How in the world did that, in El Centro? They're racist. I can't believe this. The one place where I was widely accepted, I felt comfortable. The margaritas yep. different. The yeah. nachos with the queso. And you mean to tell me that y'all couldn't give them enough the business tacos. to keep them going, but you gave your money to Alero and El Centro? What is wrong with people? This is why we're here. Because people don't make good decisions. Come I can't on. be
0: bothered. Can't be bothered. Marvin's that was the one place you could go to and not pay a cover after midnight
2: mm-hmm especially as a lady especially as a lady especially
0: mm-hmm. as a lady good times that's a shame
2: cloak yeah. and dagger too for that matter we had a good time i want to man look i know you like to dance and all but i'm like girl
0: look. I, next
2: time i'll take you to amsterdam so if you want to dance so dagger, much i'm gonna take you to the hood spot yeah go i'll to let amsterdam. you dance yeah
0: get all the, nah,
2: the i'm for real <laughs> like i like amsterdam like if i want a little ratchet something right. like amsterdam will you know do it just right although paying a cover to get into that spot don't it just doesn't sit right with me
0: yeah I can't Pure. believe
2: I'm paying money for this.
0: Yeah. Pure is the one, though. The $1, the $1 drinks on Friday. I miss that.
2: Mm-hmm. COVID mm-hmm. <laughs> Man, look. I should have taken you to Ozio for happy hour because people dance at Ozio. I can tell you that. Man, shoot. You should see my videos on social media. They dance.
0: My final question for you is, who do you have taken the lead in winning this game on Sunday against the Browns? I don't really like either of these teams. I'll
2: be honest with you. I said that in my article. I said, y'all don't make this easy because the way the Browns played against – first of all, it's the Raiders, and I get that. And they're on a revenge tour right now. Right. I get it. But y'all put up six points. Y'all let them score 38 points on your head.
0: But, you know, that's a big team they were going against. Who will have I get that. But account. then,
2: of course, they also played the Bengals. And I'm like, but you let them score 30 points. Their rookie mm-hmm. quarterback threw for 316 yards and three touchdowns. I'm
0: trying so, to give them the benefit of the doubt.
2: I mean <laughs> – Look, Washington at least been consistent in letting the team get a 17-0 lead on them. Like, yeah. I mean, okay, fine. Like, you know, at least they do they're consistent about that. And then fighting back in the second half. Like, I know that I'm gonna get that effort from them. But I don't know. I mean, I don't trust either one of these two teams, to be frank with you. I mean, they both have I, I should they have first year head coaches, but like obviously Ron Rivera, like I said, is a two-time coach NFL coach of the year, and Kevin uh, Steph. Stefansky? Stefansky, Kevin Stefansky. I'm so sorry. I didn't mean to butcher the name. Um, he obviously came over from multiple years with the Minnesota Vikings. And so I feel like this is going to be a game that goes in the twenties. And I probably, I'll give the home team. They're going to get the lead to start with. I mean, Dwayne Haskins, Terry McLaurin, Chase Young are all used to playing in Ohio. Cause they played in Columbus. They're yeah. in Cleveland. I know. But, um, I'll say the Browns get the early lead, but I don't know. There's just something about them. I don't trust them. I don't. And I don't know what it is. Something don't feel right. I don't know. So I, I give it to the team that I've, like I said, I'll see them give us really good second half effort. And we'll just see from there because between scoring six points, 35 points, I don't like that. So I'll say that I said Washington wins 24 to twenty. It's not like I feel 100% confident. Like, when I said that, I think people think, like, I'm like, yeah, 24-20. It's so like, I'm putting stamp on that. Although I did very much almost call that Eagles game perfectly. I think I said 24-16 to 16 or something like that. I was close. But for this one, I'm going to say 24-20, to like, huh, like this, kind of halfway walking it back, kind of halfway walking it in. We'll see how I feel right exactly. It's like. Twenty-four to twenty, but also could be wrong. Like you know, we'll see how this goes. Right. Just so everybody knows, like, look, 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 I look. Right. I don't make my money guessing who's gonna win what. That's not that's not my game. I'm not into the betting situation. I don't work in Vegas, so you know, I just write the stories. I love don't get it twisted. I, I get it. asked this question. I give an answer. It is not my favorite part of the day.
1: Period. Right. So for right. everyone who's listening and viewing right now, where can will follow you. What's your
2: social media handle? Creatively, my social media is all instant replay. Instant R-H-I play. Because your girl's name is Rhiannon, like the Fleetwood Mac song. So I do something a little catchy because every sport has instant replay.
1: That's how we do it around here.
2: You can follow your girl. You can follow me. when I do all my little cooking, football. All my jokes, I'm currently getting dragged by different mascots on social media, so don't mind me making my jokes. There's a video of me dancing on social media as well, too. I just have a good time.
0: I'm just here for the jokes. I really am. Nah, I like the vibe. I like the vibe. Social media is for all the fun with the real, too. So I appreciate you giving us the real and then breaking it down and letting us pay homage to a DC classic and uh, on U Street, El Rey, and all the rest of them. So, you heard, it, you heard it here, fans. She got the Browns to be down. So, that's what we want. Um, we want them down by more than four. Because you said 2420. I said 2420. Girl, look, I need I'm i not than putting that. my
2: life on it. I ain't swearing by nobody. I ain't swearing on my mother's grave or nothing like that. My mother's still with us, and that's the way it's going to be. God, don't punish me for saying that. Um, you know, so. Don't be mad at me. I, again, I don't make my money making bets and stuff like that. If I did that, I mean, I would not be a rich woman. I promise you that. <laughs> I make my money running features on people, Look. keeping it simple. You,
0: you, thank you so much. Honestly, it's, uh, it's a pleasure. You're going to hear this back. You're going to hear me talk about how you shatter in the glass ceilings for women. But I gotta say it to your face. Thank you for shattering the glass ceilings and getting it done, and and standing your ground, and just being a a, a true like warrior in this game for us young women coming up. Yeah,
1: just being you, being authentic, being inspiring, motivating, and allowing other young general journal- journalists like us to look at you know look up to you. So we
2: appreciate you. That's a fact. which is great. First of all, I want to say thank you because my therapist tells me I don't say like I'll be like. A- Oh, like I minimize things so first off thank you now I am minimize it now I was gonna say that you ladies I've told Alana told this but Tiffany I'm saying this to you as well too is that one y'all are like what two three four years younger than me so as far as my personal concern goes like I've told her y'all are my friends I don't think of you all being like people behind me so much I think that you guys are both in the positions you're in because you guys work as hard as you do and you're respected because of the way that you go about your business and the fact that Alana's over here hosting a panel where we're talking about serious matters, the fact that she has leadership she does within NABJ, the fact that you all are having this conversation, y'all look very nice and everything else like that, putting together your podcast, putting together your series. I think it shows a lot of ambition. So regardless of our age gap and everything else like that, I appreciate it. But I think that you both on your own and many women who are in your age group are so ambitious and doing what they want to do. And I love that about you all. You are authentically you. And you guys are my friends for that reason. And of course, you all know I always have your back. I'm happy to support. I appreciate you guys having me on, dressed down even a little bit. But, um,
0: come with your swag. Thank you. Appreciate it. Can't be anybody but myself, man. Come on. That's period. And we're going to end on that note. Can't be nobody but yourself. You heard it here. We're quoting it. This is riled up, you guys. Thank you, Ren. No problem. Thank you all for having me again all right ladies and gentlemen as always you know thank you so much for listening and subscribing share this share it with a friend share with 15 friends you name it thank you again download download we need to download and if you have any people in particular that you want to be on this show that you think we can get keyword that you can let
1: keyword. us know
0: let us know because we're gonna do our best to try and get those people for you. Um, that's our twist. We say this is riled up. We're we'll bringing you the hottest Washington topics with the twist. That's our twist. We like to provide people with the experts and the greatest interviews that we can provide you all. So please send it in the comments. Um, I'm sure you can hit me up on my DMs on Twitter or Instagram. You can follow me on Instagram at TT Legend and on Twitter at Tiffany Hoyd, or you can up Alana at on instagram and twitter as well
1: right so alana Bearfield, a-l-l-a-n-a Bearfield, b-a-r-e-f-i-e-l-d
0: all right there you go and you know how it goes
1: remember to stay riled up have a good one you guys